Hello, everyone, and welcome to Saving Minds. I'm your host, Shanti Skiffington, and today my co-host, Dr. Elliot Goldstein, and I are going to discuss some recent updates in antibody testing for COVID-19. As we know, accurate antibody testing is absolutely essential as we begin to reopen states uh, following our stay-at-home orders. So um, just to recap, so late last month in May, the Centers for Disease Control finished its evaluation of the existing antibody tests that are on the market today. And there's roughly 70 of them right now. Um, Unfortunately, the CDC found that less than half of the positive results that these antibody tests throw off are actually accurate. Um, Elliot and I discussed some of the reasons why these tests lack accuracy in episode 21, if our listeners want to go back and listen to that episode. And today we're going to dig a little deeper, um, exploring what it's going to take for us to be able to depend on these antibody tests um, moving into the future. So Elliot, maybe we could just jump right in with a quick overview of the different kinds of COVID-19 tests that are available right now. Yeah, happy to do that, Shanti. Um, it, a lot of jargon here and a lot of different names for the same thing. So with it, we've heard of you know uh, names like COVID test, RNA test, antibody test, serology test. Um, so let's break this down. There's really two types, two main types of tests. One, which is not today's subject, is testing for the virus itself. Is the patient or the individual infected with the virus causing COVID-19? That's also called an RNA test because it's based on identifying the RNA, the genetic material of the virus. This is a test that's based on taking swabs of saliva and mucus, okay, or nasal swabs. So that's testing for disease, for the presence of the virus. Today, we'll be talking about antibodies tests. Antibody tests are tests to determine whether the patient who's been exposed to the virus or a vaccine for that matter has developed antibodies that may or may not protect that person. This is a test done in the blood, whereas the RNA test, the test for the virus, is done in mucus or saliva. So we'll talk about antibody tests today. Excellent. That is very helpful, and you're absolutely right. It's like jargon soup out there. (laughs) So let's focus on what the problem is with specifically with today's antibody tests. Yeah, as you indicated in the introduction, uh, I believe there's over 70 antibody tests that were brought to market uh, in the United States. Uh, And almost all of them really have problems with reliability, reproducibility, accuracy. So they have problems in multiple respects. So the first thing is, um, what are the sources of error for all these tests? Why, Why is there so much error? Well, there's different ways in different places the tests can go wrong. There's something what we can call just the intrinsic sort of accuracy or error. In other words, by its very design, some tests can only achieve 90 or 95% accuracy, for example. That's just by design. Um, But some of the best tests out there, and there are a few, and the FDA and others are commenting on those, have very good intrinsic properties. They're well-designed tests, but the errors can also come from operating, doing the test, the materials, storing the sample, transporting it and shipping it, operator error, especially in an environment under great stress where you're doing many more tests than sort of you would do with routine. These are all sources of errors. Okay. So what are we looking for in an antibody test? We're really looking for three things. 
if the individual has been exposed to the coronavirus, uh, the novel coronavirus, or if the individual has had a vaccine, you're looking to see if they have created antibodies, if their bodies responded by creating antibodies. You're really looking for three things among the, uh, in, in that area. One, are these the right antibodies? Are they antibodies that are against the COVID-19 virus and not the, co- the coronavirus is causing, say, the common cold? So what am I detecting? Antibodies against COVID-19 or something else. Two, what's the concentration? We call that the titer. What's the concentration of the antibodies in the patient's uh, blood or the person's blood or serum? Is it high enough? to do any good. If it's a very low concentration, you're probably not protected. But most importantly, do I have the right antibodies? Do I have them in the high, the right concentration? But again, most importantly, do they neutralize the virus? Do they stop it? Do they kill the virus? If they do, if you have those three conditions satisfied, the right antibodies uh, produced following vaccine or disease, um, the right concentration, there's enough present to actually do something, and they're neutralizing you are protected and also others are protected from you. So that's really the most important thing we're looking for. Uh, one other comment uh, concerns sort of false positive and false negatives, you know, and, and, and really what, what are they? Um, a false negative is when your test says no antibody has been detected when in fact it is present. So that's a really an intrinsic error, if you like. Um, with the few really good tests, the false negatives are fairly rare on antibody tests. What's much more concerning is a false positive. A positive test is a test that says, yes, this individual has antibodies against the COVID-19 virus. A false positive would say, yes, this person has antibodies against COVID-19 virus, when in fact, they do not. If they, they have antibodies against other coronaviruses, like those causing the common cold, there are four of those, but it's falsely positive because it's not positively detecting antibodies against COVID-19 virus, which is the one we want to stop. So that's a false positive. Um, so I think I'll stop on those sort of uh, question, uh, technical aspects there. Uh, yeah. and. Go back to go back to you, Shanti. Yeah, I, I, that's a good place to stop, actually, because I was thinking about episode twenty-one that you and I recorded when we were discussing this issue of cross-reactivity with other coronaviruses, which you just mentioned. You know, four coronaviruses uh, cause a common cold. So there's this 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 plays a, a really big role here in the development of an antibody test that is selective only for uh, the virus that causes COVID-19. And we, and we talked about that, but pursuant to how you began your answer, which, you know, we kind of have some kludgy tools here to work with. What are the specific technology limitations that prevent researchers from being able to right at this moment, create an antibody test that is both sensitive and specific for only the virus that causes COVID-19? Yeah. So sensitivity is the easier challenge, if you like, because sensitivity just tells us um, how low a concentration of antibody can I detect. In other words, if there's some antibody present in an individual, even in extremely low amounts, will my test pick it up? And it should pick it up 100% of the time. Um, so that's sensitivity. That's not okay. that difficult a problem. And there are several tests uh, uh, that uh, purport and seem to have data uh, strongly indicating that the sensitivity is good. The specificity is the greater problem. Uh, as, as we know, 
there's about 60% or more overlap in the structure, the amino acid sequences and structure of the proteins, uh, the protein coat, the corona, uh, on the various coronaviruses. They overlap quite a lot. They're very similar structures. So there's a significant risk because of this overlap, this potential cross-reactivity. There's a significant risk that um, a test designed to test for the presence of one of the coronavirus antibodies, in this case against COVID-19, will actually cross-react and detect the presence and give you a positive answer because you have uh, the individual has antibodies against one of the other coronaviruses. Let me give you a, a straight-up example, okay? So we do the math, okay? It's estimated that up to 90% of Western population, so you're in North America, uh, up to 90% of the population uh, has obviously been exposed to the common cold. We've all had colds, multiple colds, I would think. Uh, 90% of the population um, uh, has antibodies against the coronavirus or coronavirus is causing the common cold. So it's very prevalent, it's very common. Um, whereas we estimate that the uh, presence of the COVID-19 coronavirus might be 2 to 5%. We really don't know, but it certainly isn't 90%. So here's where the error rate really becomes a problem. Let's say the specificity of your test is 95%. And I think we've we've discussed this previously, but once again, that sounds pretty good. That's an A plus on a test, right? Ninety five percent. Certainly, be happy at school with that kind of test. Well, that's actually a very poor result, and here's why. That means five percent of the time, you'll be getting a false positive. A false positive, once again, uh, would state you have the presence of antibodies uh, against COVID nineteen. You're protected when you actually aren't, because your 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 test is detecting. Uh, the coronavirus for the common cold, 5% error. So let's take a population, a group of 1,000 people, okay? So those are the people living in the four or five blocks around my neighborhood. Let's test them all. Well, what, what's the status of those 1,000 people? 90% um, of them have antibodies against common cold coronavirus. We know that. We just don't know which 10% don't, but 90% do. Okay, so 90% of 1,000 means 900 individuals of, among those thousands will have antibodies against common cold virus, okay? If you have 95% specificity, means you're wrong 5% of the time, which means out of those 1,000 people, 900 have cold virus antibodies, 5% of those people, 45 individuals, will actually be stated to be protected by their test when they're not because the test is erroneously detecting false positive detecting, erroneously detecting coronaviruses that aren't the COVID-19 virus. So, so then you have these, I'm sorry to interrupt, oh, then you have no. these silent spreaders as people are talking about now. C correct. Uh, and again, for the silent spreaders who may feel no disease whatsoever, or it might have been so inconsequential that they didn't notice it, the challenge is, is there, were they truly infected? And if they were, do they have antibodies against COVID-19? And more importantly, are those neutralizing antibodies? One of the interesting issues when you talk about the silent spreaders, it would seem, it's early data, but there's early data suggesting that individuals, children, adolescents, young adults in particular, but individuals who have asymptomatic disease, COVID, they are infected with COVID-19, but the so-called silent spreaders, or have had very mild disease often confused with a common cold, a bit of an allergy, cough, or something like that. Um, that th those are the important ones to, uh, to test because it would seem that individuals who've had very mild disease produce actually low titers 
low concentrations of antibody. And if those concentrations are titers are too low, they won't be protected. So you've got two challenges with the so-called, you know, uh, 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 silent spreaders, if you like, or asymptomatics is one, um, or can you test for COVID-19 accurately enough so that if it's positive, you can state that they're protected if they, and do they have the right titers to actually ensure that protection? That's going to be very important. Um, finally, it's going to be really important to test response to vaccines. We know not all individuals respond equivalently to vaccines. So in the young, for example, or in the elderly, we get different types of responses. Safety is a different issue as well, is an issue as well, especially in elderly or patients or individuals with underlying disease. Um, so one of the important things, though, is after a vaccine is to determine exactly, again, the same three criteria. Is the individual producing antibodies that are selective for COVID-19? Two, are they at a high enough titer that it will give, you know, it could lead to protection? And three, it will lead to protection if those antibodies are neutralizing. And they may, may de that may decrease or diminish over time, meaning that after a certain amount of time, months or years, a booster or revaccination will be needed or not. Certain vaccines like measles vaccines um, offer a lifelong durability, if you like. Others have very, very short-lived. So these are all the important questions that must be answered by a sensitive and highly accurate, highly specific diagnostic test for antibodies. So uh, some good, in the good news category, uh, because this is all very scary news, but in the good news category, Roche recently revealed that one of its newest antibody tests had specificity, which is the issue that's the, uh, that we're looking at here. It has specificity greater than 99.8%, and the sensitivity was also awesome at 100%. And that's 14 days after a confirmed infection, which seems pretty good to me. Um, what would you, how would you comment on this test? Yeah, no, it it's it sounds very good, um, and it, uh, we look forward to that test uh, being used, you know, as as widely as possible. Now, a few limitations. It's a so it's it's actually a, an updated version of a so-called ELISA test, E L I S A, um, which is this older technology that's been used for decades now. Um, and it does have some uh, some problems, especially in its applications. It only, this test only runs on the Roche platform, so of course other platforms can't uh, can, can't use it. So it does have its I limitations. Um, that's probably the biggest limitation. And then uh, the usual, uh, as I mentioned earlier on, operator error. There's a lot of reagents and other sort of tools in the kit, if you like, to uh, to run these tests. So that it's it's open to error. Bottom line is the world really needs four or five highly sensitive, highly accurate tests running on different platforms. For, 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 you know, for, for, for different populations. Um, things are moving rapidly, though. Uh, we know the CDC uh, and, and other uh, you know, health organizations are, are evaluating these tests now and releasing their data soon. So I would pay particular attention to the FDA website, uh, listing the best tests that they've reviewed um, or re-reviewed, actually, uh, and uh, where they announce, actually, both sensitivity and specificity for each test. I think that anybody being tested should know that at today's date, they are not perfect and there's reason for error. Often repeating the test a day or two later is one good way of testing for error or not. Um, in addition, new innovative tests based on more updated, uh, more selective and specific techniques are being developed as we speak. Um, at Promise, we're using a newer high throughput technology that can support both high volume and highly accurate uh, tests, not just in terms of sensitivity, but we're 
targeting 100% specificity, which is the goal, of course. But in addition, the technique we used called SPR, surface plasmon resonance, may allow also, under the designs we're putting together, may allow to test not only for the presence of antibodies that are specific against COVID-19, but also to determine whether they're neutralizing or not. So in one simple process, we can determine the concentration of the antibodies, the titer, are there enough? Are they specific for COVID-19 or am I erroneously measuring uh, 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 antibodies against cold virus? That's why we want 100% specificity. And importantly, are these antibodies capable of neutralizing, of destroying the virus, not just binding to it and slowing it down? So those are really the three important things that tests for the future are really addressing, and we're happy to be a part of that. So I guess um, in closing, how much longer before these newer, more advanced tests become available? Well, um, great question. And, you know, you don't want to overpromise and undercommit. Of course, it's the, 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 the other way around. Um, it, it would seem to me it's reasonable to anticipate by the end of the third quarter, um, there will be one or more of these new tests uh, av- av- avail- commercially available. That's my best sort of guess and estimate based now on what I know is, you know, happening in our shop as well as in others. So another few months and we should be much closer uh, and should have, a, 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 you know, initial availability of tests that do the job. Okay, awesome. So perhaps by the end of September, that's pretty good news. Um, I think that's all for today. You've given a lot of great information. It certainly is confusing as a layperson to weed through all of the information that seems to be coming at us all the time. So thank you, Elliot, for helping to translate. And we will retouch on this topic again as things continue to evolve. Thanks, Shanti. I look forward to retouching again. This is a story that uh, I think we'll be following for quite some time.